0: Hey, welcome to GP Cool Content. This episode is on open-angle glaucoma. Uh, It's a bit long, sorry, Um, but we're going to go into a bit of detail and stuff um, and try and explain some differentials and all that sort of stuff. Uh, So just to start with, um, just remembering that, you know, there's two types of glaucoma and they've got the same name but they're different. So open-angle glaucoma is a chronic disease and angle closure glaucoma is an emergency. Uh, And the way I guess try and remember that is open angle glaucoma is like type 2 diabetes and angle closure is like DKA. Similar but different. So we're just gonna go into a bit of background before we get into the case uh, and then get through that. We'll try and get through it quickly. So what's the epidemiology of glaucoma? So glaucoma is the world's leading cause of irreversible blindness. It's estimated to affect between 2 to 3% of the Australian population. And what are the types of glaucoma? So you've got open-angle glaucoma, which is what we're talking about here, and that's basically 90% of all cases of glaucoma. Uh, There are a number of other types, but the main other subtypes are angle closure glaucoma, which we talked about in a previous podcast, normal tension glaucoma, which we haven't touched on in this, and neovascular glaucoma, which is really a complication of um, your proliferative diabetic retinopathies and similar. Uh, And there's a bunch of other glaucomas which we're not going to touch on. Uh, Just talking about what is the physiology of aqueous humor formation? So aqueous humor is produced by the ciliary bodies in the posterior segment. It circulates around the iris, forwards into the anterior chamber. It's then reabsorbed through the trabecular meshwork into the canal of Schlem, which drains into the episcleral veins. What's the pathophysiology of open-angle glaucoma? So chronic open-angle glaucoma is an intraocular pressure-related progressive optic neuropathy with accompanying characteristic changes in the optic nerve and the visual field. It's caused by the slow clogging of the drainage canals which results in increased eye pressure. You've got a wide and open angle, it develops slowly and it's a lifelong condition uh, and initially it'll have symptoms and damage that may not initially be noticed for a while. So that's a bit of background, getting on to the case. So the case for today is that you have a 50-year-old African-American man working as an occupational truck driver who is noted to have a large cup-to-disc ratio during fundoscopic exam by his optometrist and he was referred back to you. He has no visual complaints but he does have a background of hypertension and diabetes but both are well controlled. So what are the risk factors for open angle glaucoma? Risk factors for open angle glaucoma include age, family history, being of Afro-Caribbean race, having a history of ocular hypertension, uh, having history of myopia, retinal detachment, um, central retinal venous occlusion, diabetes, having strong family history of open angle glaucoma, hypertension, sleep apnea, cardiovascular disease, migraine, migraine and reinouts. And the limited evidence risk factors include current smoking, current migraine and peripheral vasospasm, long-term steroid use and previous eye injury. So the features of history in open angle glaucoma, what are they? So basically the history, um, they'll usually be asymptomatic until it's severe and there's permanent change. There's no pain, no redness. It's usually found in routine eye checks and screening where you'll see an abnormal disc, you might see an elevated intraocular pressure or abnormal visual fields. Uh, if it is symptomatic, patients may complain of ocular burning, stinging soreness, ocular tiredness, blurry or dim vision, sensation of an ocular foreign body, visual difficulty in daylight and darkness and the presence of halos around lights. So what are the features of examination for open angle glaucoma? So it's usually bilateral Um, On visual fields you may see uh, some visual field loss and this will be compatible with the amount of nerve fibre damage Uh, The visual field loss is usually asymmetrical and does cross the midline It's normally located in the mid-periphery It's clustered in neighbouring points and it correlates directly to defects on the optic disc Other features of exam will be an elevated intraocular pressure uh, where 21 is the magic number for what defines an elevated intraocular pressure. So 10 to 21 is normal. Greater than 21 is abnormal. Uh, and there's a number of diagnostic criteria that we'll get to, but one of the diagnostic criteria is intraocular pressure greater than 22. Uh, and just remembering that intraocular pressure measurements may be underestimated by Goldman Goulburn and non-contact tonometry. Term- 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 in patients who've had LASIK surgery. Other features of exam in open angle glaucoma will be optic disc hemorrhages. So if you see optic if you see disc hemorrhages on routine exam, this is associated with a high likelihood of primary open angle glaucoma. You might see optic cupping, which is the loss of your neuroretinal rim, with a corresponding increase in the size of optic cup relative to the disc. And this is called cupping. So you know it's I guess manifested by an increased cup to disc ratio and cup to disc ratio asymmetry between the eyes. Uh, a normal cup to disc ratio is 0.3 although it can be up to 0.7 in some normal people, um, but if you see an optic cup to disc ratio greater than 0.7 this is associated with a high likelihood of primary open angle glaucoma. Uh, so in a number of the yeah different sources 0.6, 0.7 is all used um, you know, I'm happy with 0.7, uh, and 0.7 being the magic cutoff for being associated associated with primary open angle glaucoma. Uh, other features of exam, you may see a pale central depression of the optic disc, where the nerve fibers of the retinal ganglion cells pass out of the eye, and in the surrounding area. So, as part of examination, you talk about diagnostic criteria. So there's a couple of different categories of diagnosing open angle glaucoma, so you've got category 1, 2 and 3. Category 1 is evidence of both structural and functional damage. Category 2 is advanced structural damage with unproven field loss and category 3 is optic discs not seen in field tests impossible. So category 1 is evidence of both structural and functional damage. So you can have either of cup to disc ratio uh, elevated or asymmetry, neuroretinal rim Width reduced and functional damage with greater than three locations of visual field test in a particular pattern outside the limits of normal variability. Category two is advanced structural damage and unproven field loss. So in these patients you'll see, you can't really get visual field testing done but you'll see a cup to disc ratio or asymmetry uh, worse than most of the general population. So greater than 0.7 I would use for that. You can diagnose it based on only on the evidence of structural damage uh, and you need to rule out other alternative explanations for your cup to disc ratio findings or your visual field defect. And category three is if you can't see the optic disc and field test is impossible so in this case your visual acuity uh, will be markedly reduced uh, and your ocular pressure will be markedly raised So I guess in terms of, that was pretty heavy going, wasn't it? But in terms of um, the diagnostic criteria, I guess it just shows that you can diagnose on the basis of uh, elevated intraocular pressure. You can diagnose on cup-to-disc ratio being abnormal or seeing a cup-to-disc ratio asymmetry more than at least like 97.5% of the general population. You can diagnose on the basis of a neuroretinal rim width reduction or visual field reduction uh... so I guess in terms of differentials, what are some other causes of visual field deficit so other causes of visual field deficit might include things like retinal vascular disease macular degeneration or cerebrovascular disease and what are some other causes of non-glaucoma optic neuropathies so other types of optic neuropathies include ischemic, uh, tumor-induced, diabetic, retinopathy, or lupus. And what are some other causes of optic disc cupping without an elevated intraocular pressure? So some other causes of optic disc cupping would include physiologic cupping, ischemic optic neuropathy, or traumatic, so closed head injury. And the differences between glaucomatous optic disc cupping and other causes are that the glaucomatous optic disc cupping will have larger cup to disc ratios, Uh, you'll have a vertical as opposed to horizontal elongation of the cup and you'll see disc hemorrhages. So what are the investigations in open angle glaucoma? Uh, So I think basically they're none, you would refer to ophthalmology to do them. What's an average intraocular pressure in the eye? So apparently the average is 16. And what's the normal range of intraocular pressure in the eye? Normal range is 11 to 21. So what are the classifications of severity of open angle glaucoma? So classifications are mild, moderate, severe, and end stage. In mild, you'll have early visual field defects. Moderate, you might see the presence of an arcuate scotoma, which is an N-shaped visual field loss arcing over the central visual field and thinning of the neuroretinal rim or cupping. Severe open-angle glaucoma will be extensive visual field loss and marked thinning of the neuroretinal rim. And in end-stage open-angle glaucoma, you'll only have a small residual visual field remaining there will be very little neuroretinal rim remaining and your cup to disc ratio will be in the region of 0.9 to 1. So what are the general approaches to management of open angle glaucoma? So general approaches to management would be set to setting a target intraocular pressure with medical or surgical techniques. Uh, so currently the only established treatment for glaucoma is lowering the intraocular pressure and it's most commonly achieved medically Alternatives are laser uh, trabeculoplasty, of the trabecular meshwork, or cyclodiode of the ciliary body, or surgical treatment. But mainly, you'll do it with medical management, and then you'll be setting. Basically, you want to set a target intraocular pressure, and then I guess there's other risk factors and comorbidities managing those. The normal initial target for dropping your intraocular pressure will be 25% drop, and the final target is usually 20 to 40% lower, but will differ between patients and may differ even between eyes in the same patient. Other ongoing management will be regular monitoring to assess intraocular pressure, optic disc, and visual fields. Uh, and you want to do this initially two to three times a year, and then spacing that out after that, up to one to two times a year. Uh, And it's important to do patient education, because it's mainly asymptomatic until very advanced, so medication compliance is often poor. So what are the classes of medication used to treat open-angle glaucoma? So we've gone over these medications before in the angle-closure glaucoma podcast. We're not going to go over them again, but we're going to talk about mainly the categories. The main categories are beta blockers, prostaglandin derivatives, Alpha-2 adrenergic agents, meiotics, carbonic anhydrase inhibitors. Uh, And then you've got those emergency ones like mannitol used in emergency, I guess. So topical beta blockers will include timolol, 0.25 or 0.5%. They're used widely. They're non-selective and they reduce aqueous secretion. And the side effects are very similar to that of normal beta blockers. Prostaglandin derivatives will include latanoprost and the other prosts. They lower IOP by increasing outflow through the uveoscleral pathway rather than trabecular meshwork. And for more about the meds, please see the previous podcast on um, acute angle closure glaucoma. So what are the effects of having open angle glaucoma on driving. So I guess as per OSROS 2016, you need to have a VA of at least uh, 12 and 6 in one eye or both eyes for private. Um, you have to v- measure formally the visual fields if you suspect anyone has a deficiency, uh, but there's a lot in the standards. Uh, of particular note the standards say pr- people with progressive eye conditions such as cataract, glaucoma, optic neuropathy. Propathy and retinitis pigmentosa should be monitored regularly and should be advised in advance regarding the potential future impact on their driving ability. So what are the screening recommendations for open angle glaucoma in the RECGP Redbook? So basically it breaks it out into increased risk and higher risk. So people of increased risk include those with family history, Caucasian and Asian patients over 50, and African over 40. And for these people, you want to refer for ocular exam five to ten years earlier than the age of onset of glaucoma and affected relative, and frequency will be determined by that initial assessment. And who's at higher risk of open-angle glaucoma in the RACGP Red Book? So higher risk... Uh, patients aged more than 50 with diabetes, myopia, long-term steroids, migraine, peripheral vasospasm, abnormal blood pressure, and history of eye trauma. And for these people at higher risk, you want to refer, for example, the optic nerve head, measurement of intraocular pressure, and assessment of visual fields. And then frequency of follow-up will be based on what you find in that initial assessment. Uh, so lastly, what are the complications of open-angle glaucoma? So the complications of open-angle glaucoma are visual loss, complete blindness, driving restriction, increased falls risk in the elderly, loss of income, and depression. Uh, bearing in mind, I just made that last list up. So that wasn't sourced from the the reference sources. But it seems likely to me, and I would put that on the exam. So what the hell? Uh, So, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, As always, references. A lot of references available on request. A lot of references. Uh, All this work is original, um, my own copyright, and has been sourced from the publicly available information available on the disease and how to write KFP exams, and from all of um, the research articles in PubMed that relate to this disease. Uh, Don't use it for medical advice and please don't rely on it solely for exams. Thanks a lot.